You guys tired of hearing stories of winning, victory, more winning? They told me they're tired from all the winning, so they're exhausted. So Derek, it's too much winning. We can't take all the winning. I told him, no, there's more winning. Horace Gracie has been waiting for days to stop in and visit with you folks. So, Who knows who Hoist Gracie is? Oh, everyone, everyone. Um, Hoist is the, it's not enough to say this, it's, it's layers and layers, but um, in the recent part of his life, in recent decades, Hoist was the, the first UFC champion ever from the first tournament back in 1993. He's also the, won the second tournament, also almost won the third tournament, then won the fourth tournament. He didn't lose in the third tournament. He just injured after three fights. Dehydration. Hmm. Well, Too tough to I, say I, he was I injured. In, but everything blacked out in front of me, so. The water was scared to absorb into his cells, <laughs> knowing for the, the violence that was about to happen. And then won the fourth tournament. He went on to have a lot more winning as well. And um, first inductee ever to the UFC Hall of Fame. First inductee ever. And you know, maybe share a bit about your family, who, who your, your father is, your uncles, and the, the heritage or tradition that you came from that, uh, that you know, led to you to be who you are. There was a Japanese gentleman that was doing business with my grandfather in Brazil. In exchange of good faith, he taught my uncles the art of jiu-jitsu. My father couldn't do it because he was very small. One day, my uncle was late for a class. So my father kind of memorized, let's say, the self-defense program. And when my uncle was late for a class, my father stepped in, told the student, if you don't mind, I can review the program, the stuff, the, the self-defense moves, until my brother gets here. Taught the student a class. By the time my uncle arrived, my uncle was like, I'm sorry, I'll replace this class. The student's like, it's all good. From now on, if you don't mind, I'd like to take classes from him. And that's when the uncles were like, hold on, what did you show him? And from that day on, he took over and it became more of a quest for my family to find out which style of martial art is the best. And that's where we are in the UFC today. But then what happens in Brazil, nobody knows. So for years, we're in a quest. A lot of people thought that the graces are arrogant. They are trying to put down the other styles. But it wasn't that we're trying to put down the other styles, it's that Kung Fu said they're the best, Karate said they're the best. There's only one way to find out. Put both of them to duke it out with no rules, no time limit, no weight division, no gloves. And so we've been doing this in Brazil for a long time. And then we jump in, we say we're the best. But then, I mean, our style is the best self-defense style. And then the boxer would say, no, we can knock everybody out. Well, let's go. Take the gloves off, take the time limit, take the rules, the weight division, just get in a, in a ring or in a cage and duke it out until somebody quit. I'd like to interject there that um, we had extraordinary people here this week that, uh, you know, Valentina stopped in, um, Henry Cejudo stopped in, Carla Esparza. And these are all fantastic champions. And, you know, Valentina and Carla are current champions. You know, Valentina's 
seven-time champion at UFC, 17-time kickboxing champion, 24-time champion. At the time that Hoist was starting this, at the time of the, the first UFC event, he just touched on this, but I really want to make this point. The only rules that I'm aware of, the only rules are, I think you, you cannot gouge eyes and you can't bite. But it's okay to kick somebody in the balls. It's okay to pull their hair. That's no problem. You can pull their hair. When Hoist started this in you know 93, the, the first event, um, he had to fight three men, three men in a night. Second event, four men in the same night. It's not like you you know you did eight weeks of prep for a specific person, or you know three four months ahead of time you have a contract that you have this specific person and you know about them, and you have some videotapes to review about them. In these tournaments, the original tournaments that his family founded and he was winning, as um, you're fighting four people at a night. You don't know which ones. You don't know how long the fight's going to You don't know how long your rest period is if you, you win the first fight. And you know, you're know you not sure how long your rest period is because the next fight might take a long time, a little time, and the pairings. And, I mean, there's, and, and you don't know who the hell the people are. You don't know who your opponents even are. So I, you know, I had a conversation with Mike Brown about, about you and about this topic. You know Mike Brown, yeah, and you know, but both of us were were um, commenting on that. It's like it's really a, an extraordinary bravery, and a, an extraordinary confidence that um, is not exhibited today. You know, that, that, that not to say it's not, I don't want to take anything away from the current champions and the current people, but what he was doing, you didn't know who you were fighting, you didn't know where they came from. There wasn't the internet where you could look on the internet of all these different fighting styles. There was a lot of mystery and question marks, and you got to go fight four people in a day to win. It's, and the, and the, the only rules are, in, or apparently the only rules aren't followed, so there's kind of no rules. But the idea, I think, that my brother and my father had was like to simulate if we encounter somebody on the street, you don't know what he knows, so it's a surprise. You're going to encounter trouble. It's like you got to deal with that. You see, so it's a, I don't know. And on the bracket, this guy's fight, I don't know who is going to win. I have an idea. There's a sumo wrestler. There's a kickboxer. There's a kung fu. But I don't know who's going to win. So you got to be ready for all of them, not just for one person, one style. So you're ready for all of them. But then back then was a style against a style. Today is more of a fighter against a fighter, because they all learn everything. They all know the grappling. They all know jujitsu. They all know wrestling, judo. They all know all the styles. It's just who is better prepared, who have the best strategy today. But back then, it was a style against a style, because everybody claimed that their style was the best, their style. So it's like, but then I don't know if you encounter somebody on the street, you don't know who you're going to fight. So you got to be ready for all comers, all all shapes, sizes, styles, so. Who was the largest man you ever fought? How big was this man? I'm 6'1". I fought a guy who's six foot eight, about this tall. 490 pounds, the shoulder goes from here to here, one man's shoulder, like, <laughs> yes. I walk, I remember walking behind him, I measure him. <laughs> 490. 490. <laughs> and you were weighing 178, 180? 180. Same weight today. <laughs> I'm on the same weight today. So it's like <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> so where, where do things uh, 
What, what did you learn through these tournaments or after these tournaments, or where does the story continue? That great is the best self-defense style. <laughs> yep, but again, like my father always said, do not go over there to beat your opponents. Go over there and don't lose. If you don't lose, the question is how are you gonna win? So we're gonna, he always said, play the perfect ping pong game. Every time, doesn't matter where the ball goes on your side of the table, you catch that ball, put it back on the center of the table with your opponent. How are you gonna lose? When are you gonna lose? Never. So now they change the question. So when do you win? When he missed the table, did I win? No, he lost. I'm just capitalizing on his mistakes, on his mistakes. So I'm playing not to lose. I never said that I was better than them. I just don't believe how they can beat me. I cannot see how they're gonna beat me. When do I win? When they, when they make a mistake, that's when I win. That was my father's philosophy. How long have you been beating up chubby business guys? Okay, okay, time out. <laughs> Mary's a witness. Two minutes, he picked me up and threw me against the wall. I was like, whoa, hold on. Let's make some rules over here, okay? <laughs> Treat me like I'm a five-year-old little kid, yeah, like a child. He's like, I don't like kids. I was like, really? <laughs> he was bullying me. <laughs> yeah, uh -huh. I had to make rules. It's like, <laughs> you're not allowed to sweat. It's like, I walk around and I sweat. I was like, uh, can't sweat today, cannot use the strength. <laughs> yeah. When did you go from fighting sumo wrestlers and to just beating up old business guys? <laughs> when was the transition? Actually, I'm, I'm the nicest training partner, come on. Everybody else, it's like crash, crash. I, I learned, a, <laughs> I learned a, a tremendous amount from Hoyce. We were training together Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, every day, a few hours, just this week. And then we flew over here together and um, been spending a bit of time together with some of the other fighters in between events here. And Hoyce is a guy that, um, you know, Valentina, Carla, Henry, you know, they're, they're excited. There, there's a, I don't want to say it in, a, in a, uh, anything but a very respectful way, but there's a little excitement, exuberance that they're, they're like, you know, oh shit, Hoyce Gracie, you know? <laughs> so they're excited, to, you know, hey, can you take pictures with us, Hoyce? So, and usually they're the person people want to take photos with them, so, you know? So that everybody has tremendous respect for Hoyce and, um, and what your family has done and, and the way you've carried on those traditions and, and you know, truly the, the honor of a, of a family name. Um, I've learned a lot from Hoyce and a lot of them are philosophic things. I learned how to be mean and abusive when I'm older, so I'll remember that forever. <laughs> right um, off the bat, as soon as we met, I said, I'm not gonna teach you any new moves. Hmm? I'm gonna work on this with you. Hmm? How to look at the fight in a different way. It's like the Mr. Miyagi, <laughs> respectfully, but it's, it's like the closest thing to I'm a not Mr. That Miyagi. Old. <laughs> no, it's, it's not a comment about your age, only your wisdom. <laughs> only your wisdom. It's like working with Mr. Miyagi. He's, he's like, you know, okay, you, you can't do this, you can't do that, you must do this, you can't do that. And setting a lot of rules and impositions that make it uh, difficult for me to do what I might normally do. 
And then, um, you know. And having a conversation during the match. <laughs> yeah, 20 minutes. Make him think of something else while he's doing this. <laughs> 20 minute matches, and well, he's, you know, laying on top of me and choking me and going for an arm bar and going for another arm bar and going for a triangle and so on. Uh, then he's like, you know, so what kind of movies you like? <laughs> What movies do they have a film over here? It's like, <laughs> you like action movies? <laughs> documentaries. Oh, what kind of documentaries? Tell, me about, your favorite documentary? Tell me about the documentary. <laughs> so, you know, sweaty and profusely, drenched in sweat, you know, trying to catch my breath. Minute 18 into one, you know, a 20 minute round, no break, and just hear him pressure, 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 pressure. And tell him, oh, you can't, you can't stand up. You got to do this. You can't do that. Oh, I see. And I had to make rules. I told him a time limit, and I had to cheat. I, because I know if I, I figured him out already. <laughs> I said five minutes, but I know he's gonna be counting the seconds, and he's gonna go five minutes up. So I changed the clock and I put a little extra time on it. <laughs> he's like, this five left. minutes is forever. The <laughs> long was five minutes ever. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of fun training. I, I appreciate that you spent time like that. Uh, I learned a lot. And maybe I'll turn it over to, to questions here. Maybe that'll be most interesting. That um, What would you folks like to learn from Hoyce and I? How can we contribute? Who's first? Who's next? So thank you, Derek, for bringing uh, this together, this uh, awesome event. And I really appreciate it. And I've learned a lot so far. And I've known you for many years. and. One of the things that I've noticed is you have a lot of consistency, and I'm I'm just kind of wondering what you what your guys' thoughts are on when when you are in a completely uh, the world's chaotic, and sometimes you're not always on top, and sometimes you are on top. And what's the difference in terms of the way you think about things uh, when you're when you might find yourself on the bottom versus on the top? And what's the best way to think about that to get that consistency? A reflection that I was forced to consider this week was, um, you know, if, if I'm training, say, with, uh, you know, Frank Mir, Andre Arlovsky, these are, these are big men. They're big, heavy guys. Andre and I were just texting today. You know, Andre's a great guy. Um, when, you know, but it's a different style. It's like we're, we're, we're both big, we're both heavy, and, you know, maybe there's three minutes of exertion, and you're kind of taking a break. And, you know, Hoist put me into some interesting situations of, like, you know, 15-minute, 20-minute intervals or just, you know, pressure, 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 and you're sweating and I'm trying to I'm putting pressure on him. Yeah, yeah. I told him, learn how to play the defense game because there is going to be pressure. The guys will take you down. Sorry for cutting in. Mm. The guys will take you down, and they're bigger, stronger, and they'll be smashing you. If you play a good defense, you survive, recover, take your time. The world doesn't finish. It's not, it's not gonna end. So there's ups and downs. You're gonna encounter that pressure. That's what we were talking about earlier this so week. There, there were times where um, you know, he's, he's you know, limiting my offense, you know, stay on the ground, and basically just tell me to defend myself Well, he torments me for long intervals. And um, no, there's times where that really sucks. Where you, you know, like you, I was taking antibiotics for you know ten days ago. I started. I just finished, and you know, so my my cardio is down from what it normally would be. I didn't feel great. One day I had a terrible headache. I never mentioned that to him until 
you know, this weekend, but never mentioned it at the time, but I felt miserable. And then, you know, there's a lot of pressure, intentionally putting a lot of pressure in my diaphragm and holding me there and I can't breathe. And uh, it's very uncomfortable. And, you know, a thought that I had a lot and it's something that you and I discussed, you know, different times during the week is that, uh, you know, if you're, am I going to have a permanent injury? Is there a permanent injury going to happen or am I just very uncomfortable? And, you know, did I ever tap from those situations? He'd stop if I just said, you know, hoist, I'm a pussy, just... That's a couple of times I stop and I ask, okay, I'm putting pressure on you, but am I breaking your arms? He's like, no. Am I choking you? No. Am I breaking your legs? No. Just pressure, just smothering you? I told him the world, the government, the city, the state is going to put pressure on you for whatever which you're doing. And okay, but they're not destroying your life. You just got to learn how to deal with that. Be patient. And, you know, you just, as he said, you just deal with that. So, you know, 20 minutes and um, talk about it for a little bit and do it again. Talk about it for a little bit and do it again. And um, I, don't, I thought that those were, those were interesting <laughs> lessons uh, in that context. And you've, you've heard me you know, talk about that experience a couple times with some of the other guests that we've had this week. Um, yeah, the, it, it's good for you. And I th- you know, we talked about this on the mentoring call on Wednesday. Like, if you if you can't tolerate pressure in business, if you can't tolerate those externalities, where you know, in his context, he's an attorney at a, a law firm and um, he's a partner at the firm. It's well respected there, but there's still plenty of people that are happy to try to mess with you from one angle or another, or you know, not do something they should have done, or try to poke at you, or all those little things and. You know, in entrepreneurship or in the markets, um, the stock market is a reflection of, you know, all of the perceived good and bad happening in the world at a given point in time. There's always going to be something, there's going to be some negative news in the world today, and maybe there's going to be some positive news. There may not be, but there's definitely going to be some negative news in the world in every given day. And, uh, you know, if you can't tolerate that volatility, you know, you know, Warren and Charlie say if you can't tolerate, you know, losing, having your account go down 50%, three times in a century, then you, you deserve the terrible returns that you're going to get if you don't invest in the stock market. So in, in entrepreneurship, there's just constant torment. In a real estate business, I think that's the example that I used on the call the other day. In a real estate business, you're going to have you know, city codes and city inspections and you know, all, all sorts of do-gooders trying to, you know, you can't do this or that with the property. And you have, if you hire a contractor for something, your contractor wants to, you know, increase the price of something, so, you know, oh, there's a shortage of this, oh, there's an uh, unexpected add-on, there's a, oh, there's a union problem, there's, a, you know, some other business has a union problem, it's unexpected, we want more money, there's materials delays, there's, a, you know, inspections that slow things down. Is the city, you know, super uh, on point with their inspection process? Has that been your experience in, in projects? It's always on time, it's always... Yeah, they're great. Issue. Extraordinarily competent engineers as well, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so you know, there's, there's always going to be a problem. You're going to pay for insurance. There's a you know, variable mortgage rate. The tenants didn't pay their rent. The judge doesn't give a shit. So on, so on, so on. You're, you hire an attorney. Now your attorney, <laughs> somebody got sick. The case just got postponed. Guess what? You're not collecting rent for a couple more months. So yeah, if you can't tolerate those situations, then you know, just expect an extraordinarily mediocre life. That's why most people settle for less is they don't want to tolerate those. So I think... Um, 
some of the lessons that I was learning from Hoist this week are you know in in the MMA context that but are also reflective of of life or you know business and other areas that um, you know, if you can't tolerate that feeling uncomfortable then just just settle for less just stay down there you know can I tell that story with Sakuraba in Japan this, I think this is a fantastic I think that's story a, for this they're gonna love it <clears throat> he's got an amazing negotiation story that he's he's contemplating here I arrive in Japan to fight a very tough opponent as soon as I arrive they did a no-no on the business. They separate me from my management, my my manager, my training partners, my coaches, send everybody to a hotel. No, Royce is just gonna do one small interview. It's just real quick. My brothers are like, nope, we gotta go. No, 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 we don't need to go. They separate, they send everybody to the hotel and talk me. I was like, no, it's okay, it's just one interview. I got there, there was a press conference in a ballroom, a hotel packed with reporters. Okay, the promoter and the opponent. Translator next to me, the promoter said open words, give me the mic, say a couple words. They're always very respectful. The opponent's worth opponents, gonna be a good fight, whatever, blah, blah, blah. They give him the mic, they say some good words too, and they go, and then he goes, the opponent goes, we should do a purse to the winner. Winner take all. Mike's back on my hand. What do you have to say about that, Royce? Now you gotta be fast on this game. If I say, I agree, I'm following his lead. If I say, no, 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 I wanna get paid, I'm afraid to lose. Oops. Mike's right back on my hand. I stood up. You're a man, I'm a man, let's do this right now. Promoter, get the bag of money, put outside the door, please, media, step outside. Wait, the wind will be right out. I don't have to stay here for two weeks, wait for the day of the fight. Just silence in the room. I don't think he wants to fight right now. Before I sit down, I'll go, you know the hotel I'm staying? Give me one hour, one hour notice. Give me a call, one hour. One hour before you show up. If you want to do it before, show up, but give me one hour notice because I don't want you to show up by surprise and I'm out running, not at the hotel. So give me one hour and I'll be waiting. I'll be ready. So quiet in the room. Yeah, I don't think he wants to fight before. I think you guys are going to have to wait for two weeks until the fight. <laughs> but very respect. There's no yelling. There's no cursing. Just like that. But you got to be fast in this game because he tried to put, let's do purse to the winner. Winner take all. If I say, sure, I'm following his lead. Eh, let's do it right now. You're a man, I'm a man. Let's do it. Just got off the plane, I don't care. It's a man's world, man, let's go. <laughs> yep. David, what are you thinking of? Um, very good, thank you. Thank you for all the wisdom you've given me. Uh, something I'm very appreciative of, um, because I started a bit, I had a, a tumble in my life and it started a bit later. Uh, but I don't want to make the mistakes with my children and, and this is a real important aspect for me and both of you are very wise in this aspect in, in different ways. I know you hate children. Yeah, I got a vasectomy. <laughs> that was extremely wise of me. <laughs> but you're, the way I've grown, I'm, I want to be able to, to give my kids a fast track. I don't want them to spend so many years and then figure out, oh, this is what I need to do. There are a couple things of wisdom you can give me that I can teach my kids so they 
become much better men and women uh, faster. Well, you know, Hoyce has children that like him, so he, he can give a better answer than I can. But, um, you know, the, the bullet points, just a couple bullet points that I would think of is uh, you, you don't, a person doesn't always like reality, but the sooner you accept reality, the better positioned you are to, to benefit from the reality of whatever situation you're in. A person that lives in a, you know, the, a willful delusion has a lot of fantasy about how good they are at something or how the, the heavens are going to shine a favorable ray of light upon their ass. Uh, those people don't tend to have as good of an outcome as just being honest with yourself of there's a few things I'm good at, there's many things I'm not good at, which are the ones that are worth fixing. And you know, just being in touch with reality and setting a goal and, and moving towards that. So I think that's great advice for anyone that you know, most people choose to ignore to their own peril. But Hoyce has children and his children, I, I talked to his son on the phone the other day and uh, the, the children love him, they respect him and um, it's, it's my impression that he's a fantastic father and it's my impression that he also had a fantastic father. So maybe he could address that better than I can. The way I do with my kids, I'm not much of a scholar. I'm an athlete. So every time, I'm a sponsor. Every time they went to, from a young age, they went to a game, I want them to become professional athletes. They want to change their minds, hey, it's up to them. But on the, athlete, on the athletic business, I became a sponsor. So every time they go to a practice, let's say five years old, six years old, they do soccer, swimming, basketball at a young age. I will start with $2. Every time they go to a practice, I pay them. Every time they go to a game, they get a little more. By just showing up the game, soccer game, not play, they don't, he doesn't play, I pay for the showing up. First goal, first gold medal, first win of the season, I'll give them 100 bucks. After that, we'll drop to 10 bucks. If not, he'll break the bank. <laughs> I'm a sponsor, so I'm the sponsor for them for many years. I was sitting there, it's a lot of reverse psychology. Soccer, not just for my kids, but for the entire team. If you get a yellow card, I buy it for them. I'll buy the yellow card. The coaches will go crazy. If you get a red card, it's my red card. I owe you 20 bucks per red card. 10 bucks for yellow, 20 bucks for red card. The coaches are like, what are you doing, boys? It's like, well, which kid wants to get kicked out of the game? Nobody wants to get kicked out of the game. But play tough. Because the other kids are playing tough. So they, pay, they get paid to go to practice. They get paid. I'm a sponsor teaching them. That's their money that they put it away. Not the money that they spend. No. Whatever they want to buy, I'll buy it. That's just the money. I'm the money that I'm sponsoring them. I did that for, for many, many years with all my kids. The girl, my little girl, every ballet class, dance, all the different type of dance that she went to, every class she get paid. The boys, all soccer, boxing, jiu-jitsu, uh, basketball, swimming. On the end of the week, they'll give me the bill. We did this many classes, this many practice, this many competitions, this many gold medals, first place, second place. I'm a sponsor. So teach them the value 
of money that way. If they want to go somewhere a different direction, so one is in the army, my young girl is still in high school, but one is in college, one is in the army, and one is fighting for Bellator. So, but that was the, that was the idea with the kids. What do you want them to be? You want know, them to be business, pay for them to study. I was never much of a paying for the grade, no. I paid them for sports because I want them to be professional athletes. What do you think of them? First of all, thank you guys for the talk. Uh, uh, the thought that came to my mind was like, I think we all fought some really intense emotional battles in, in our lifetimes. And actually, you know, till 2020, I, you know, we were joking about that a lot. I actually thought I would be a pretty stable emotional human being. But it uh, turns, turns out I'm, I wasn't as much as I thought. Then he learned about the stock market. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And sometimes I really thought about if it would have made a difference, you know, to also go through some really intense physical battles that I never had. Like, I, to a certain degree, I had a really non-physical or violent childhood, and I've never been to, to a boxing, I mean, I've been to a boxing club for like a couple of months, but nothing really special, so I never really got my ass kicked on a physical level. Do you think that helped you a lot in your lifetimes to also be better in terms of being like calm on an emotional level, the, the physical battles that you fought in life? Yeah, but I think the real question you're asking, I think he wants you to kick his ass. <laughs> he's asking you okay. if you will choke him. <laughs> so he's challenging you to a fight right now. <laughs> well, I, I always tell people, to be a good champion, you have to know how to lose. It's uh, There's people over there, there's champions out there that the show built them up in such a way that the first time that they lost, they fell apart, crumbled, just disappeared, couldn't deal with the loss. So you have to know how to lose. I think um, for a couple of reasons, I think there were some things that, you know, earlier in my life that, you know, violence related that, um, yeah, it makes you more resilient or, or makes you tougher or less concerned of, you know, there's some people that if they've never been hit before, you know, like an adult man that uh, they just kind of fall down. They don't, they're just not used to, you know what I mean? They're just not used to being struck or having that jarring and their brain doesn't know how to react to that. And there's like a, just a total panic and capitulation immediately. So, um, yeah, I think that's, you know, useful that, uh, and I, and something that gave me some confidence. I'm not saying this is good or bad. I think I think it was good for me, but um, I knew you know from really early, like before age ten, that um, from, you know violence in the house and violence outside the house. I knew that um, you know when I, when I get hit, I don't I don't like retreat or get you know scared or panicked or small. But, you know I tend to be more aggressive back. Um, it's, not, it's not my knee-jerk reaction to, you know, like, oh, what do I do? It's more like, um, you know, get your bearings or brace yourself, and, but uh, have a more offensive mindset of, you know, get your bearings, assess the situation, and move forward, you know? 
Uh, and I, I think that helped me with business for sure. I think they helped me with with other things that if you get cracked, it's not great to get hit in the head all the time, but you cracked in the head a few times or you know have other violence uh, related experiences. And if you don't fall apart, I think it would make you stronger and you uh, you trust yourself in other situations that you're you're not going to panic in other situations. Yeah, because you know the situations that I have in mind, like especially in the early 2020 when there was a lot of turmoil. Like I was sitting at home, like couldn't sleep a couple of nights, and then I was thinking about you, and I was like, shit, man, how is this guy just so fucking calm in these situations, and I'm lying in bed, like couldn't stop thinking about the next day how my my broker Richard Hunt would look like, and uh, yeah. Well, you know, if you think of his experiences, he's been training for, you know, your, your whole life. And um, last week when I was out of breath and in a puddle of sweat and slipping around on sweat on the mats and, uh, you know, having difficulty breathing, he's calmly asking me, well, what kind of documentaries you like? So, you know, that's a different level of calmness that, you know, he spent his life... Um, you know, learning and innovating and, and building that skill set and, and sharing it with the world for that matter. But again, what if you lose everything you got? So, what if I tell you, you just won one billion dollars right now? If you tell me, I'm going to go, great. But then you turn around and say, you know what, Royce? You just own the government $1 billion with a B. Okay. It doesn't change. <laughs> Same thing against, I guess, winning my fights. Never really celebrate. Celebrate what? I train to win. Losing. Okay, right away we get back to the locker room. Is what happened? Where did the train derail? That would be the question my brothers would be asking. What happened? Lost a couple times, and right away, let's figure out what happened. Didn't show up. You're not present. Would he surprise you? Let's figure it out and let's fix it. Let's go back and fix that. But emotions, I don't know how to explain, but we grew up understanding. We understand that. Well, there's a danger of the guy come in and in the middle of the fight and break your neck and you're going to be paralyzed for the rest of your life. Okay. It's like, I don't see it, how this is going to happen, but it could happen. It's understanding not just one thing, but the whole life in general. What if you drop dead tomorrow? My daughter came up to me, it's, whew, she's 16 now, she was about maybe 12, 14, 13. Dad, when you pass, I'll pass away, my life's going to go on. Yeah, I'm going to miss you, but my life's going to go on. I look at her, I was like, I don't know if I punch you or if I hug you right now. I swear, lady, I'm, I'm debating right now. <laughs> She's like, she understands. 
yes, I'm proud. It's like, what if tomorrow everything fails? Hey, I can make it again. I'll make it. I know I'll make it. I've been telling him, tell me what's impossible and I'll prove you wrong. I'll do it just because I'm stubborn and I'm very patient. Ah, oh, man, it's a bad combination. <laughs> so, worried about it. Worried about what? It is what it is. So it's, you can't be losing sleep, worrying about what's gonna happen because you have a bad day or you had a, are you gonna be celebrating because you had a good day? You meant to do that. You study and you did to be a good day. Oops, went wrong. You went bad. Okay, what happened? Sit down, figure out what happened. But there's no worry in thinking and losing sleep because, oh my God, that's like, ah, the world's gonna finish. No, it's not. It's not gonna stop. Tomorrow you wake up, do it again. So, as long as you know what you're doing, that's knowledge. You just gotta know what you're doing. Walk into my fights, a couple of times I had to stop and calm down my corner, my brothers. On the catwalk, getting in, it's like, turn around, I can feel the pressure, it's heavy behind me. I stopped, turn around, it's like, come here, guys. Are you okay? It's like, dude, relax, guys, I'm at home. I got this. <laughs> okay, okay, go do your thing. It's like, heart rate is pretty much like this walking into a fight. Never really, it's kind of scary for my corner because I don't get pumped up and it's like, don't need. It's like, why? Because I know what I'm doing. Simple as that. If I didn't know, there would be a problem. I study, I already went through my head many times. There's no way I can see how I'm gonna lose this fight. Lost twice. But if I saw it, We'll go back to the training camp and fix it. Study. But couldn't see it. There's no way I can see how you're gonna beat me. You see? So, and I'm willing to gamble. Let's do it. So, but worrying and stressing out, it's not gonna help. It's not gonna help. What is the thought you had, Omar, that uh, I think a similar thought that I had? When you seen, when you heard that and you had that, response. What did you hear him say there? He reminded of when he said, like, before going into a fight, whether a heartbreak, whatever, it's always the same. It's always that same calmness. And it's what you said, like, don't worry about it, whether you're celebrating or not. Like, it's consistency. Consistency and congruency with that calmness before entering the ring. And I've heard you've talked about that a lot in regards to business, you know? Stock market goes up, stock market goes down, like, keep working. Like, no, no emotional, what you've, uh, the joke that you say, it's not really a joke, but there's humor attached to it is that you ask your team, like they can't tell whether it's a good day in the market or a bad day in the market by any of your emotional, any, any of your emotions or your facial expressions or your body language because you're so consistent with it. And it's until that they look at the market that they know if it's an up there or a bad day, but they can't tell that often. So when he said that, I was like, oh, it was, it was like an instant connection to what you said. And it was, my mind was like, oh, fundamental here, fundamental here two extremely high level people, champions, have the same thing, put more weight into that piece of knowledge and try to emulate it and work on it moving forward. That's the little. I tell them if the, if the market's going good, you're, you're up a lot of money today, that's great. Keep working. The market's going down, you're, you know, that's unfortunate. 
keep working. And oh, the market's going sideways, not much happening. Keep working. And um, yeah, uh, when, we were, when we were training, there's, um, I don't remember, there's, uh, I was down 300 grand at one time, and at the end of the day, I think I was down 196, 197,000. I just made a little comment to you about it, but like, does that seem like that was bothering my mood the other day? You know, when it, there's times I'm up a lot of money, and I don't get super cocky about that either. That I don't think it, it, I'd love to hear your perspective of this, but I think having the you know, a stable mood or you know, a calmness about you, um, you know, any person, you, me, them, anybody, um, if if you if you are, let yourself be too arrogant. I'll define these words. I, I think cocky is just fine. It's fine to be a little cocky. But a guy that's cocky and talks a little shit, but he can do the thing that he says he can do, that's a lot of fun. Everybody likes somebody that can talk a little shit, but he can do the thing that he's saying that he can do. When you get past cocky into a land of arrogance where somebody's speaking beyond their skill set or they're saying some, some crazy shit that they can't consistently get that result, that's very dangerous. And I, I enjoy being a little cocky and talking a little shit but I know that I can do the things that I say that I can do. I've done it consistently. Um, and I don't even talk that much about it. Who's more humble than me? But, but um, when you start letting yourself, when you start believing a lot of hype and bullshit or everybody's telling you how great you are, you're the, you're the best, you're the best, you're the best. You know, when you, if you get caught up into the hype of that instead of thinking, you know, what else can I do better? What else can I do? You know, if going back and reviewing victories and losses, if, what could I do even better? What did I learn from that? How do I, how do I make this more efficient next time? Um, that's what the real winners do. That's what the real champions do. Hoyce's father would tell him that you win a fight, that you, you don't celebrate in the ring, you don't jump up and down and talk a bunch of shit, that you, you're trained for it. You're supposed to win the fight. It's, that's the outcome that was expected. Isn't that what you did the training for? You were supposed to win the fight. So, you know, what are you celebrating for? And, um, yeah, I, I thought that made a lot of sense. That when I have a great day, um, I was, oh, that's nice. And I just, either way, I'm going to keep working. You, you built some systems that work. Things are going good overall. And, and I know the trajectory over time. Am I doing things that are going to lead to fantastic outcomes over time? Well, that I don't give a shit if I'm, you know... I told you the other day, and I've told my clients publicly that I'm down, you know, something like nine million dollars, more than eight and a half million, so down something like nine million dollars in the last, uh, I don't know, since November. And okay, it's like, is that the end? <laughs> that's the that's the end of the global economy. So how much money did I make before that? So how much money will I make in the future? I'm gonna make more in the future if I'm saying, you know, all right, that's so you made a lot of money and um, you've given back, you know, 18% of it or something, 17, 18% or something, whatever the number is. Um, that's fine. That's like that's go look at the stock market. The, the the whole indexes are down more than that. Well, I lost money on some things. I was still making money on energy transfer. Well, I was lo losing money on uh, other things. I was you know I was selling. Some of the things that I sold during that time, I sell on Kohl's for $62. It's in the 30s now. So I was doing a lot of things that, that, made, uh, that made money, that improved the situations that, you know, had, had I done nothing. 
Um, I bought, you know, spent seven figures on Pacific Gas and Electric. You know, when it was about $9 on average, it went down to eight something, it went down to 830-ish, maybe something like that. When I was about $9, about $9 on average, I bought, uh, you know, spent low seven figures on Pacific Gas and Electric. And, um, you know, I sold it for about 12. So I did that during the same time. And, you know, it's enough money that those little things, you know, half a million here and a couple million there, and pretty soon it starts turning into some good lunch money. You could buy a sandwich, you buy some salmon. You can buy more salmon. <laughs> So, you know, I don't, am I, does that mean, uh, am I dumb? Am I, am I bad? Am I, I don't know what I'm talking I don't know. Warren Buffett's been down 50% a, a few times in his life, and uh, I'm not down anything close to that. I'm not down anything close to that, but he's, uh, other times in his life, he's been the richest guy in the world. And he's still got, a, you know, 100 billion plus, so he's, he's doing okay. So I, I just don't get fussy about it. Once in a while, when I think of, you know, if I'm up a lot or down a lot, I think about him that there's days in Warren Buffett's life that you know maybe he's down eight billion in a day, down five billion, ten billion. I think if he's down a billion or two or up a billion or two, he probably doesn't even think about it. Like just a flat day in his mind, <laughs> so things are pretty boring. Or down two billion, up two billion, pretty boring day. So, what would he say about you know if if Buffett was here in the room with us, like would he be like you know? He said, you know, Mr. Buffett, I'm down, you know, 20 grand in my stock account. What do I do? Hoist, <laughs> <laughs> I, I stubbed my toe on a chair last week, and it's a little tender. What do I do? <laughs> couple more. Go, you, uh, go ahead. You, you carry it, and then Jasper. Okay. The question that I have is, a lot of success happens behind the scenes. A lot of it is the planning, the preparation, the strategy, how not to lose, as Hoy uh, said. And I, I want to know how you, how you both think about strategy and planning and that preparation. Like, what go, what's the thought breakdown that you go through whenever you're preparing for an opportunity or a fighter or a business decision? Like, how do you break that down to have really good results over time? Well, I talked about this a little bit with Carla, but it's worth chatting with you as well. The, a, a concept I thought about all the time, and I bet there's some analog in, in, your, in your mind or in your family's collective mind, that I think everybody, they, they flop around and they don't do much. Normal people, they don't, they don't do much. They just kind of go through and go through life. And, you know, then... then some crisis happens, you know, something happens in the stock market, something happens in the economy, and they say, what do I do? What do I, like a victim, you know, what do I do, what do I do? I lost my job, now what? I'm like, well, I quit my last job almost a quarter century ago, and um, you were still winning UFC titles the time, last time I had a job, so. Um, you know, I, I think that a person goes to war when you have a, a, a turmoil and something bad happens, or bad, perceived bad, <clears throat> a person goes to war with the, with the army that they built during peace times. You don't go to war with the army that you wish you had. You don't get, you don't get to go to battle with the skills that you wish you developed five years ago. That you, when, you, when you have a battle, when you have a war, you go there with the, with the intellectual resources, social resources, financial resources, 
that you built during calm times. And, and a person that doesn't take the time to do that, they deserve the terrible outcomes they're about to experience. They deserve the terrible outcomes they're about to experience. It'd be the best thing that could happen to them is they could feel a bit miserable, but learn from it. So maybe they'll do better next time if they survive the war. So, I mean, I'm sure that you're, I know, I know your brain is meticulous thinking about preparation and little details that, how have you thought about <laughs> this? You gotta know what you're doing. You gotta have endurance and then power. I don't know how to play American football. I have no business in that field. You're gonna put me in the field, I don't know which way to run, who to block or pass, or I have no idea. So you gotta have you gotta know what you're doing in anything. Once you know it's easy, then you have to have endurance. You can have the fastest car in the world without gas, what are you gonna do? Push that car around town? Without the power you got, you're gonna push the car around town? You're not gonna go far. It's then becomes power. So it's in that order. A lot of people switch. They have the power, they have the endurance, but they don't know what they're doing. Now translate that to business. A lot of people know what they're doing, have a lot of power, but don't have the endurance. Oops, he won't last one round. Imagine, five minutes into the game, I'm a coach, can you get me out? <laughs> I can't breathe anymore. Uh-uh. It's got to be in that order. You got to know what you're doing, have endurance, and then becomes power game. A lot of guys shows up with physique built by the gods of Zeus, and, but they can't last five minutes. So I had a fight, my last fight, that we timed the crowd. What do you mean, Royce? My brother said, that means we know the opponent so much that make the fight boring, stay away from him. Don't engage, he's not gonna engage. And that's what he did, he planted his base and said, come get in a clinch, I'm gonna hit you once, I'm gonna knock you out. So I stay away from him. We both stay away from each other. My brother said, wait, when the crowd get bored and, bored and start to boo, He's gonna lose his patience. He's gonna charge in. And that's your time to get in a clinch. Again, knowledge. And as soon as the crowd goes, thought that fight was boring, boo, start to boo. I can see he's like, he stepped into a big right hand. That's when I got in a clinch. Took him down, it was knock him out. So that's knowledge. You gotta know what you're doing. So you gotta know your opponent. Translate how you want it to, into business. But once you know, it's easy. You gotta know. Pujoyce, what if somebody made a, a negative comment on your social media? Go do what I do for a living. Where I go, most people stay home drinking soda, eating popcorn, and watching TV. They don't go where I go. <laughs> they don't go fight a six foot eight, 490 pounds. Before the fight, everybody was like, Man, are you out of your mind? He's a sumo wrestler. There's no way you're gonna take him down. You can't take him down. He gets paid not to put his knee on the ground. You cannot outpunch him. You don't stand a chance. 
after the fight, oh, of course, the guy's obese and slow. And it's like, <laughs> of course you won. It's like, go fight him. Go walk up to a six foot eight, 490 pounds, slap him on the face. You see how obese and slow he is. <laughs> he run right through you into that wall, <laughs> through the wall. <laughs> You can't be concerned about the opinions of someone that doesn't have the same goals that you do. That's really been one of my lessons of the, the past many months. You can't be concerned of the opinions of someone. If you wouldn't pay for their advice, then don't take it for free. If you had a medical problem, do you want free advice for some guy, or would you like to go to a doctor? If you had, you know... so. Free laser eye surgery or 10,000? With no other information, would you like free laser eye surgery or $10,000 laser eye surgery? No other information, hmm. just that. What, what would be better? Hmm. So, Let me think. If you wouldn't be willing to pay for someone's advice, then just, just ignore it. You didn't, it's not that valuable then. Th think through the truth of that. If you wouldn't be willing to pay for that specific person's advice on that specific topic, then why would you accept it for free? You, you didn't perceive it. It wasn't valuable enough to, for you to pay anything for. Then why would you accept that information in your mind for free? Does that make sense? 100%. How many people in the room still don't get that? I'm not trying to be tricky or something either. Like It's a little bit of a tricky concept, but I just mean it quite that simply. If you wouldn't pay for the person's advice, if you don't, if you don't trust their expertise or their knowledge in that specific area that they're commenting on or pushing at you, if you don't value their expertise and knowledge in that area enough to pay something to, you know, gee, I, I wonder what, you know, Ballsack23, what their opinion about the stock, my, my, my Instagram follower, you know, JojoBooBoo23, I wonder what their opinion is about the stock market. What should I do today? So if you wouldn't be willing to pay for <laughs> JojoBooBoo's opinion about that, then you know, probably, you should, probably should just ignore it. You didn't perceive it as valuable enough. So and probably in, you know, in your industry, probably not a bad idea, similarly, that the guy in the crowd is, stand him up, stand him up. It's boring. <laughs> yeah. It's boring. It's, well, I mean, you should come try a couple rounds. Yeah. So. <laughs> Go do what I do. <laughs> try a couple rounds. Fight the guys I fight. <laughs> see if you're bored. I was, I've said this a few times, but it's true in recent is in, I watched the fight. Uh, I was in the, the front row with uh, Cyril Ghan and Francis Ngannou, there's you know, two heavyweight guys fighting for the title uh, in early 2022. And this, you know, these guys are big. Francis is 265 and like lean, like you know, just muscles, 265, big man. Cyril's, you know, maybe he's 250, but he's, you know, he's extremely sporty and you know, moves very great, you know, moves amazingly for a man that size. Great kickboxer. And the guys in the audience are boring, boring. <laughs> And I thought, like, I wonder, you know, if the man saying that, if he just had just for two minutes, well, they're already exhausted, well, they're already tired, and that man is fresh, that he should just go there for like two minutes, not even one round, and see see how he feels. Maybe he'd get his heart rate up a little bit. He'd be less bored. I think he'd be less bored. What are you thinking, Jasper? Well, let me start off saying thank you for organizing this event. It's been uh, it's been really great and. Uh, yeah, thank you for putting such a great group of people together as well. It's been really inspiring hearing from all the champions. Thank you, sir. Really great. How can we help you? Yep. I, um, well, I noticed both of you, you seem very grounded, 
and, and, and very comfortable in confrontation. And that's something that I myself like to develop more. So I'd like to hear your thoughts on, you know, mindset or, or, or habits that you have that, that, that cause that. I, I have a little bit of, um, I, I know your brain has some, some version of this. That I'm, not, I'm not afraid to die. I've been in situations where, you know, as a kid that, uh, I mean, dangerous people, um, at least one of him whom was a killer is you know held me at gunpoint or had these type of situations and I was always very calm. There was times I was in an airplane, you know, twice that I was in an airplane, you know, out of close to a thousand times. There was twice that I thought like, oh, this really might not end well. That is one they couldn't get the landing gear down. We were circling around. This is a few years ago. It was on the news. It was national news. It was on an airplane. They had a hydraulics problem. They couldn't get the landing gear down. And then there's a mechanical procedure that they could use, like a mechanical cranking system, and that was also defective. And they, they flew us in a circle off the coast near Los Angeles, so the California coast, for about two hours, a little over two hours. And they finally capitulated and just made an announcement in the cabin that um, you know, they, still, they haven't solved the problem, and they're you know, running low on fuel and the, they, they have to take the plane down. So they're you know, prepping you for you know, an emergency landing um, with no wheels. <laughs> so, um, you know, and I was, I was kind of okay about that. I'm like, so I, I think there's a piece about that, that. I think in my early 20s, I came to terms with the you know, mortality type thoughts. And, and that really releases a lot of freedom. That's not a morbid thought. That's a very freeing thought of like, well, given the understanding that it's, it's very un unlikely that I'm going to be the world's first immortal. It seems improbable that you're going to be the world's first immortal. So given that circumstance, uh, there's a, an urgency of uh, how do we want to spend our time over here? What would you like to accomplish before your time go is up? And I, I had that in my head a lot of times. I had a, an urgency to get things done, do more, and you know, try to help people around me that you know, we could um, help one another, not because I'm such a nice guy, but because I, I value high quality relationships and a lot of people have made my life a bit better and I, I go out of my way to make sure that I do my part in all of those relationships or try to contribute more. So when I ask them to do something again, it's easy to say, yeah. Hoist was training with me for four days. Um, I asked him at, at the end of that, I, would you come back and train with me again? And if you don't hurt me. <laughs> So, now if if I if, if every time you're you're saying hey you know new rule new rule and I was like no I, you know hey bro we're not doing that dog <laughs> or if every time you know I was little, he's like, you know hoist I can't breathe good he says let's take a break I quit time out I need well, time out I don't I don't think you'd be able to come back under those circumstances you know but I I certainly wouldn't so I don't know I think. Some of my life philosophies are really quite simple. I just figure I'm going to die someday, and I accepted that a long time ago. And yeah, how do you want to spend your time? You want to be a little bitch? You scared of everything? Or um, I'm not. You've been around me. We've been on many countries together. You've been around me for a lot of years. You don't see me looking to fight with anybody or trying to be a tough guy. But you never. You also never seen me when somebody's giving me a hard time. You ever see me look scared or concerned about that? Well, my skills are a whole lot better now, so I'm going to be. I'm less concerned than I was before. Whatever level of concern I had before, which I think was not much, is 
it's less now, you know? Because I'm, I'm better and I'm older, so I've already, I have less, to the, less time left at risk if I die. <laughs> so. how, how, do you, how do you think about this topic? What's the core question? Put Con that in the set. Confrontation. Uh, yes. Yes, and being grounded. Yeah. Does anybody do martial art in here? Yeah, several of the guys. He's got a purple belt. He's, he's very talented as well. Most likely, people don't even know why they do martial art. Why they buy a gun. It's deep inside your head now I'm talking. You either saw something happen, you either, maybe something happened to you, maybe somebody came up to you, put the finger in your face, and next time you park your car on my spot, and you swallow that one, take that one home. It's like, ah, man, I need a gun, because next time he talks to me, I feel more secure with a confrontation like this. Somebody confronting you and get on your face, and most people don't know. They, a lot of people say, well, because I saw the UFC, I saw you fighting, I saw, that's why I learned. You didn't see me fighting. None of you guys ever saw me fighting. You saw the technique, the style. Oh man, that little guy's beating somebody two, 300, 200 pounds heavier. You saw the style. That stays filed way deep inside your head. Maybe you saw, maybe you're driving by, you saw something happen. Maybe it happened to you, maybe you saw in a movie. And then somebody comes up to you and goes, hey, you should go learn some martial art, man. They're gonna stretch you, you're gonna be flexible, you're gonna lose weight. You wanna lose weight, go for a run. You wanna be flexible, go do yoga. It'll be much better than martial art. You lose much more weight going for a run than doing martial art. So people go, it's like, okay, they don't even know why. It's because it's deep inside of your head. It's kind of like a commercial. I heard commercial works, it's like, not for you to get up and go buy that product. But next time you're at the store, you don't know why you're picking up that product. Because they put it deep inside your head so much. It's, a, it's in there. Learn martial art. <laughs> you, that's the benefit, it will give you confidence to be able to talk and deal with any kind of situation. Martial art does that. Sports in general gives discipline. Little kid show up late for practice, the coach won't play him. But it's not my fault, coach, it's my parents. I don't care, tell your parents to be here on time. Oh, you forgot your jersey, you forgot your shoes? Sorry, you're not gonna play. That's mom didn't pack, dad didn't pack. It's not my fault. Be on top of parents. Learn how to be responsible. Sport in general gives that discipline. But martial art gives that confidence to be able to deal with any kind of situation. It doesn't matter. It's a confrontation. The guy comes over and complain. One of the employees over there, the construction site, comes over and get on your face, complain of something. You know how to defend yourself. You've been in that situation before, worse, much worse than him complaining at you that he doesn't want to work for you any longer. Okay, door is right there. Leave. You're not afraid of the confrontation. 
You see, I imagine many times having four kids. How am I, if I'm in the middle of the ocean in a boat and sink that boat, how am I going to be able to float with the kids when they're young? Be able to put the four of them and just survive. Not even swim out, just survive with the four of them. Kids, let's go learn how to swim. <laughs> just in case you put it in the middle of the ocean, the boat sinks. It's like everybody will have to learn how to swim in my family. <laughs> There's a situation, Every, all of them knows how to hunt, knows how to skin a deer, know how to check, see if the gun is loaded or not. They all know, they all learn that because I have guns at home. They all, it's just knowledge again. Makes me comfortable, I can leave guns around. I have no problem with that. They all know how to respect. They all know what happens when they fire a something. So same thing, with martial art gives you that confidence to be able to deal. It's like walking around with a gun on your waist without having it, but you feel like that. You'll be able to deal with any kind of situation. That's the beauty you see kids learning martial art. And one year I come through, cause I travel about seven to eight months of the year. I'll come around and I go see the kid one year. It's very shy, little boy, little girl, very shy. Come back a year later, they're like, studs in the class. It's like, yep, confidence to be able to deal. And that helps with anything all around in general. Having a bad day, I understand, I'll survive. Take everything from me, put it on the street. I was telling him, there's no jobs in the country. I'll walk into any restaurant, any job place, and I'll work for them for a week for free. And I'll prove that that job would not survive if I leave. He'll pay me whatever I want by the time I'm, I'm, that week is done. That kind of determination, that kind of confidence. You see, people say there's no job. It's like, man, I'll, nobody's hiring. It's okay, I'll go work for you guys for free for one week. After that week, you're gonna be, my God, how can I ever live without you? Where have you been all my life? Dude, you can't leave. What do you want not to, leave, to stay here for, to work for me? So, but martial art in general gives that confidence that for confrontation, with, to be able to deal with anything. And, af and afraid, what's fear? Afraid of what? That's not confused with stupidity. It's different. But afraid, little kids are not afraid of anything. Parents introduce that to them. Get off there, don't climb up there, you're gonna fall down, you're gonna get hurt. Don't touch that dog, it's gonna bite you. It's not gonna bite you, you can touch. No, I don't know, man, it might bite. It's like, why? We introduce fear to kids. Oh, fear doesn't exist, afraid of what? It's not confused with stupidity. I'm not afraid to jump from here, head down. Whoa, it's pretty high, man. you're gonna die if you do that. That's stupidity. I was in a 
I was with the special ops guys, special force guys in Fort Bragg. They took me out to do a jump, cannon jump. There's about six of them on the plane. Everybody had parachute. I'm doing the tandem. I'm going with them. Plane goes up in a spiral, gets up there. The wind door is open. I get to the door, I look, and I go, if I jump, can you guys catch me? <laughs> they got very serious fast. Sit down now. You will die. We're not going to catch you. I got six chances. <laughs> you will die. We're not going to catch you. If I jump, it would be stupidity. They already said, all right, but they got very serious. Sit down now, the order. That was like, okay. As soon as I sat down, they put the hooks on me so I cannot get up, touch themselves to me. It's like, okay, come down, relax, okay. <laughs> it's to be stupid if you jump. But afraid, if they say, yep, we got you, man, do it. We got you. Are you sure? I would ask a second time. Yep, done. Let's go have fun, man. Let's go. I'll jump. <laughs> but afraid of what? These people that are afraid to get in, into the plane. I'll drive for 20 hours instead get a five-hour, <laughs> a four-hour fly. <laughs> it's like three-hour fly. I'll drive for 20 hours because I'm not getting the plane. <laughs> I have a friend that will step in the ocean, afraid of a shark. Dude. We're in Chicago Lake over here, man. There's no shark in here. Ah, you never know. It might hit the water, man. It might have a shark in there. Might, might I let it go one in there? I don't know. It's like, dude, that's Chicago, man. There's no shark in there. <laughs> oh, don't know. There's, there's chicken threats in Chicago. <laughs> <clears throat> so, yep. Randy, what are you thinking about? Yeah. Who's after Randy? Oh, Gerard, good job. Randy Lindger. Um, both of you guys are massively successful in your fields. Um, Derek, you help many of us like multiply our networks and increase our relationships. Um, I was wondering, like, for you two, like, what philosophies, like, core beliefs or mantras do you keep telling yourself, or do you guys go back to, um, that? help you guys become successful or is it like some kind of like inner self-talk that you guys do constantly? So what else can I do? What else can I do? It just every day, just all day, what else can I do? What else can I do? What time did we leave here last night? Four-ish. What time did we leave here the night before? Three-ish. So we went three, four. Tonight, what time should we leave? Five, six? So, <laughs> so you know... <laughs> Even even that, like, I don't, I didn't sleep a lot last night, but um, was was there something useful that we did between three and four? Like, did you learn some shit between three and four? Yes. yes. W was it useful? I spent the fucking time then. Yeah. All right. So in in my head, I'm like, yeah, I'm tired. These lights. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Yesterday, I was in front of these lights, except for I had food with you and Valentina. And then the time that you and I spent with Henry. And with the exception of that, I was in front of these lights from 3 p.m. until 4 a.m., so 13 hours minus those two little breaks. So, you know, whatever, 11 and a half hours or something. And, um, okay. And in my head, I'm like, all right, what else can I do? What else can I do? I just do that all day. 
Oh, I'm, I'm tired. I'm thinking about going to bed. There's a couple more things, a couple more little things. Last night, now, you know, you heard this story that um, Carla's flight got all messed up. So Carla was supposed to check into the hotel a couple days ago. She was supposed to talk yesterday. And we had to do a shuffle, you know, Valentina came yesterday, Carla came today. That was nice. But I realized, Carla wrote me while I was here talking with you guys hours, you know, hours earlier, 8, eight or 10 or 9, 8 or 10 p.m., 11 p.m., whatever it was, she wrote me and she said, you know, hey, I'm going to land at 8, 8 in the morning, 8.05. And, uh, you know, am I going to be able to check into my hotel early? And I, and I wrote her, you know, uh, yes, 100%, I'll make sure. So after we talked until, you know, four or something, and then I uh, sat around with the boys for a little bit longer, and then I went downstairs and worked by myself, and I was starting to relax, and I was going to go to bed. It's 6.20-something, and I'm like, wait a minute. Carla lands in about 90 minutes. I better go down to the front desk and make sure. I'm going to be asleep, and my ringer is going to be off. Do I want her and her husband sitting at the desk telling them, hey, check-in time's at 4 p.m.? when they get there at 8 a.m. And I'm like, nope. Am I going to make a phone call? Should I call down the front desk and some random asshole answers? Can I trust that things are going to be? I told her 100%. Can I trust 100% if I call the front desk? So I put my clothes back on. I walk my ass downstairs. The sun is up. I walk my ass downstairs. I go talk. Who should I talk to? Should I talk to whoever random person at the front desk? Who should I talk to? Talk to the manager so, and, a trusted random, and a trusted person that I also know that's not a manager. Talk to, the, talk to a girl that I know down there well. Also found the shift manager. Also found out when's the next manager. Who's the next manager? Will this message be conveyed to them? Oh, it's, gonna, it's your shift. You'll still personally be here when, when my guest arrives. OK. So little things. So many people. So many people be like, you know, Oh, I'm tired. It'll work out. The reservation's good, right? Yeah. <laughs> so just those little things of like, nope, go down there and make sure. Hoist is over my place, and um, we're making coffee. And a little drop of coffee, a little, not even coffee, water, a little drop of water goes on my countertop. And he, he walks around the kitchen and goes on a little mission and finds a paper towel, and he comes back to get rid of a, a little drop of water like that. All right. Then, that one I appreciated. This one's questionable. Then, <laughs> the person that does the dishes for me didn't do the dishes. You know, I, I have uh, a housekeeping person that you know, generally does the dishes in the morning. Um, that person was doing other things for me. They were, they were working. They just weren't doing the things that... And he, he, he couldn't tolerate that there were a few dishes in the sink. So Hoist Gracie's over there doing my dishes. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I can't look at these. And I, and I got to tell that person, all right, tomorrow, first thing in the morning, you know, either come tonight or first thing in the morning, there can't be dishes. I can't have Hoist Gracie do my dishes two days in a row. So He did it. He showed up. Oh, actually, I look in the sink. Everything was done. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, you know, you don't need to do that. There's plenty of things that I don't need to do, but the reason, you, you develop a reputation for doing things. There, we had dinner at the table, and there's a couple little crumbs, you know, three, three little crumbs on the table, 
and he's putting his finger and you know picking up the little crumbs to, <laughs> to make sure that that goes. Now, I do things like that, too. He pushes the chair in behind him. He gets up from the table, he pushes the chair in behind him. A lot of people don't do that. I do things. I have mindfulness as well. I'm not doing the fucking dishes. I'm not doing anybody's dishes. <laughs> But you know, I too would pick up, you know, if I spilt something on somebody's something, I'm gonna wipe it up, I'm gonna pick up the crumbs, I'm gonna push it in the chair. I might eat like a beast with my hands and growl during the <laughs> But there's not gonna be a mess in the aftermath, you know? So um, th- I think that those little thought, little tidbits of thoughtfulness or whatnot, it just, it's kind of a, an above and beyond of making sure that um, Everything is orderly. That you know, it's hard for someone to um, to not appreciate someone like that. It's hard for someone to say, you know, hey, that guy's kind of a jerk. He really is kind of a jerk. Like he picks up after himself beautifully. The sheets that are about to get well, he made his bed before he left. The sheets are going to get washed immediately. They're going to go in the washer eight minutes after you leave. But he makes his bed before he leaves. Things like that. But it's easy to have people like that. But you. It's easy to invite them back for similar experiences, but it's also you have a strong confidence you can invite that person to, to do whatever, and it's going to be a good experience. You know, Imran's extremely mindful of those sort of things. That his brain works like that quite a lot, and you know, there's, there's like an internal honor. He's not necessarily just doing it. I think if nobody knew that you and him would still do stuff like that, because you, you'd just be. I hope there's a little bit of smugness inside. I think you'd be a little, you know, like, you know, mm, I did the thing. Nobody knows, but goddamn it, I know. So I think you'd do it anyway. I think you'd do that type of stuff anyway. So, and it's it's easy to have people like that around. But yeah, just you know, all the time I'm just thinking, you know, what else? What else? You know, two more things before bed. And uh, you, you know, you make a habit of that over time. Pretty soon, you start getting things done. You start, you know, you're more productive than those around you, and uh, people take note of that over time. How do you think about this? To your question. I love a challenge. I'm always looking for the next challenge. Anything. In anything. Who's next? Who's after that? Oh, Gerard's next, actually, I forgot. And then you. Go ahead. One of the things that really impresses me so much about about both of you is how you, you've both built industries from nothing, right? It's what, what Peter Thiel calls you know, zero to one. It's not one to many, it's zero to one. And how, how do you go about, I mean, all, the, the greatest entrepreneurial opportunities are in these, these spaces where you're, you're creating something you know, truly new and innovative. And how, how, do, how do you do that? I mean, you're, you're, you're pioneers, you're, you're breaking new ground. How, how does, you know, a human, a, a human being, you know, managed to, to pull that together and build something uh, like that. We, we might have very different answers, but um, I don't know. I, mean, I, I have to have a project. I have to have a project or a challenge myself. And um, if I don't like my current circumstances, I'll just I'll just work. I'll just whatever it takes to make better circumstances. If I wake up and decide I don't like something, there's just whatever it takes to fix that. And I don't care how I feel. I don't care if I feel like shit for years. I don't care what the public says about me. I don't care what other, I really don't care what, I have very little concern about other people's opinions. And I'd go back to what I'd say, like, 
you should have just about zero concern for any opinion that you wouldn't be willing to pay for. Great advice. It kind of is. Yeah. You know, so uh, now it, it is important to, for my for my happiness or for my esteem needs. I, I do like to be respected by other people whom I have a, a high level of respect for. So I do like to be respected by other people whom I respect, and I got to make sure that's not something that's given to you. You have to carry your weight and you know make make sure that you're doing your part. But I'm, I'm not much concerned about what other people say. So, and then and then I also have a little bit of a sense of humor, and. If you think about like this business, to you know, to say the the, the name Moneyberg, I had several people several people that cared about me, told me what are you doing? They said you you can't call a, you know, so you're gonna you're gonna have the best coaching learning products in the world about the stock market about real estate about entrepreneurship. They believed that I could do that, but then you're gonna call it Moneyberg. And I had friends that friends that cared about me and would love to see me do well, but say like you you know if you call a business money burger, no one's ever putting you on. You're prohibiting yourself from being on television. You're prohibiting yourself from any positive media. You're making it difficult for somebody to do a word of mouth endorsement, and say you know hey I learned a lot from this money burger guy. It sounds ridiculous, you know. It's it's a ridiculous name. And, and I did have quite a personal laugh when, when they put me on Bloomberg television. And they say, Derek Moneyberg, and ABC, and NBC, and CBS, and Fox, and so on, and Entrepreneur Magazine several times, and Forbes Magazine, and so on. And, you know, these are the most prestigious business publications in the world. You know, now we're introducing Derek Moneyberg. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> right. And from from zero, I made ten million dollars in revenue. Revenue, not profits. There's plenty of expenses that came out of that in 18 and a half months. So from from day zero, 18 and a half months, ten million dollars. Right now we're applying for uh, the 25 million dollars. So that's what is that? Less than three years. Less than three years, 25 million dollars in revenue. Called Moneyberg. Look at the logo. Look at that handsome guy. <laughs> so I, th I think that shit's hilarious. And um, I don't give a fuck if they put me on television or not, but they did. I do think it was hilarious. They put me in Playboy magazine, for my good looks probably. They put me in Playboy, Maxim, and so on, so on, so on. You know, there's publication. I, I'm not going to say their name on a camera because nothing good's going to come from it. But there's a, one of the biggest newspapers in the world recently asked me to do an interview with them. And uh, I basically responded that your, your publication is all bullshit and I don't want to be associated with it. And it's one of the biggest, biggest, biggest newspapers in the world that used to have a fantastic reputation. And uh, I just don't, I don't give a, I don't respect their newspaper. I don't believe anything that's in their newspaper. And I don't really want to be friends with anybody that does believe whatever's bullshit is in their newspaper. It's all propaganda. So I find that delightful to, you know, there's a business case that maybe I should have done that. I just find more personal happiness and be like, I don't even want to be in that, that publication. So I've enjoyed it. GQ magazine, I don't mind saying the name. I'm not going to go into the detail, but their values are different than mine. I just don't, I don't want to be in GQ magazine. I said no. So there's been a few things like that. So there was a concern that no one's going to put me on TV, nobody, no media would cover me, et cetera, et cetera. And instead, you know, 
two and a half, three years later, there's you know, some of the biggest publications in the world. There's no, no thanks, no thanks. I'm sure you know, you've, you've done countless interviews in your life, I'm sure, but I also don't think you care about it. You know, It's probably not his biggest motivation in life. So I don't know, I thought that was interesting. Um, if I wasn't doing that, I'd have to go do something else. And then, you know, then I did that, and I thought, well, I should learn a little bit about martial arts. And, and I, I got my blue belt test this week that Hoist told me privately, and I don't think you'd mind saying publicly, that I have a legit blue belt skill set, yeah? Right, so that's a pretty good opinion about the topic. So if Hoist says so. Was, I know a little bit about it. He knows a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I guess that's my answer, but. My family had a product we learned. So we just, there was a debate with my brother. My brother had a debate when he first came to America. It was like, do I keep this to ourselves or do I teach the world? If I teach the world tomorrow, somebody bigger, stronger, younger is gonna learn, is gonna beat us gonna be better than us, because it's not us, it's the product is good. Or do we keep the product for ourselves and keep beating everybody? Hmm. That was a debate that he had with himself when he first came to America. Do I spread this out? With the chances of them coming back and beating us? Or keep it to ourselves? He went out to teach everybody. So we just had a product. Question actually is inspired after hearing Jasper's question. Um, you know, I can see from you both talking about martial arts that it's something I have to develop. There's so many benefits that I've just been missing out my entire life, and like it has to be like uh, a dedication. And the benefits are, are, are fairly clear. How is your um, experience in martial arts, or just your general acceptance of like uh, violence, helped you in those contexts? And how do you view that, like knowing that it could escalate? I'm still learning a lot. Just, just this week, I was laying on my back, exhausted, trying to catch my breath with a smaller, older man tormenting me in numerous ways. It was, uh, it was exhausting. So I still have a lot to learn. The way I look at it, it's kind of like I mentioned to you when you talked to the guys that are building the construction site. There is not really a confrontation because he knows what he's talking about. So I was like, man, you know, because when you tell you, I want and you this many millimeters on the rail, and it's gonna be, the glass is gonna be this many millimeters and it's gonna go from this side to that side. You know exactly the measurements and the sizes. And, and I mentioned to him, one of the kids is like, yeah, whatever. It's like the attitude. But there's no confrontation when you know about the subject and you know about it. They're gonna confront you. They're gonna escalate to violence. Why? That's the question. It's like. You know what you're doing. You know, if I don't know, I don't know. But if I know, I stand my ground. I know what I want. I never had a fight in the street. 
Never walk away from one. F you, no F your mother. You have to swallow that one because next one's going to be a hit. And you feel, you see on my forehead blinking lights going around. Don't F with me. You see, so it's the confidence. They're going to escalate. It's a, a very calmly. I'll put them on their place. But the tone of voice is pretty much when you talk to the guys at the construction site. Hold on. I want this done this way. It's firm. They're going to escalate. You don't know what you're talking about? It's like, well, I know what I'm talking about. If I didn't know, different than I can go to the construction site and yell at them, hurry up, guys. Like I was saying, hurry up. What? This? What do you want me to hurry up? Then the confrontation goes, because I don't know the subject. You see, I'm going to just, you guys are taking too long on this construction. I'm going to escalate the thing, but they're going to escalate back. But if I know and I'm firm what I'm talking about, what are they going to ask? It's that right there avoids all the escalation. There's no escalation. It's like, well, how are they going to escalate? You see? So, but you got to be firm if you know what you're doing. And again, if you know how to defend yourself, the tone of voice comes out in a different way. It's not loud. F you, no, F your mother. They're going to think twice. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. I cut, cut it short. That's it. It's like, what's next now? It's, let's do it. It's like... You see, but then you have to have the confidence to know the self-defense, how to defend yourself, not because I'm going to be more aggressive. I'm not being more aggressive. I'm just, uh, don't talk to me like this. I'm not your mother. By the way, they're going to go, he's going to think twice. Uh-oh. <laughs> what does he got? What is he hiding over there that I don't know? Not your mother. No, don't raise your voice. I don't... The the other nuanced part of your question about you know somebody that's trying to bully you into something or use emotion i just don't do i don't do anything with these people it's not my friend it's not a business partner it's not even a client i wouldn't i wouldn't allow a client like that i, I don't it makes no sense for me i don't want that type of person around me at all so under what context would i be dealing with someone like this it's not my friend it's not my significant other it's not a client it's not a it's not a coach, it's not a anybody, it's a nobody. So it, it, it's not gonna get me emotional if somebody's talking crazy to me. It's, I'm just going, hey, hold, hold that thought, hold that thought. I just walk away and just go live my life. Sometimes ignoring is the best thing you can do. They want acknowledgement. These guys that go on the internet and talk so much trash, they wanna get in a confrontation with me over the typewriter. They're hiding always somewhere across the world. And they're talking trash. You see, they wanted me to acknowledge them and get in that confrontation. So ignoring, they don't exist. Okay, so one thing I've noticed about both of you is that you're kind of key on this preparing, having patience, and looking for those great opportunities. You know, Derek, it's business, stock market, for Royce, it's in the ring. But you guys have also mentioned like you can't be forced ahead. So when you see these kind of opportunities or things that might be an opportunity, 
what are you looking for that might be the difference between something you might force and it's detrimental versus those opportunities that you really have to work at? General mindset, like, you know, if you if you do your part and you know to kind of what a, the comment I made with Randy, if you're thinking, what else could I do? Couple, what's a couple more things I could do before bed? After anybody else would have given up, they would have they're already in bed. What else could I do? Just a couple more little things. You know, have to do them tomorrow anyway. Let's just get them done tonight. I'll sleep better. I might sleep three and a half hours instead of three. So let's get them done tonight instead. If you live your life that way for a period of time, you know, it's, this is kind of morphed into the answer that I just gave Aditya's. Uh, you just you have so many good opportunities. You don't have time for mediocre opportunities. And if you live your life a while longer that way, you have so many great opportunities that. Some of the good ones, they're good in everything, but you just don't have the time. You don't have time for good opportunities because you've got too many great ones. And you do that, you compound that over time, and you know, then you only have time for the most fantastic opportunities, uh, just the, the best of the best opportunities because your schedule's limited. And, you know, why, why would you, you wouldn't deal with a crazy person. Why would I spend any time talking to some crazy person that's trying to bully me about something? Or just, I just thought, oh, there's something's wrong with that person, or they don't understand. They don't understand what they're saying right now, or the consequences of like the, the loss of opportunity. That if, if they would have talked to me decently and presented something that made sense, maybe something good would have happened. So I, I just think, some, no, oh, something's wrong with that person, or they're not thinking right. Okay. You seen plenty of crazy people before, didn't you? Oh, it's another one of them. So I just, you know, to me, that's the answer to the problem all the time. It's like raise your value, raise your value, raise your value. Be more useful, be more useful, be more useful. And you know, if you can help other people solve problems, uh, other, you know, the, the best of those people are happy to reciprocate, and you'll have um, yeah, a very healthy relationship with those people. And if you have a lot of good relationships, that you don't have time to deal with anybody's nonsense or any. Somebody that wants to argue I'm with you. Always trying to make people better. Yeah. And always trying to create a new opportunity. How can there is something out there? That how can I create, make a movie, inspirational movie? You have to be inspirational, not just action adventure. Um, how can I make it people better? either by teaching or creating something. Last one, Daniel. Thank you, Derek. Uh, I really appreciate this talk in particular. I think there was quite a few nuggets that really resonated with me. Um, so my question to both of you is, I mean, you get these situations or circumstances where you don't have time to make a, to prepare for a decision. You know, like you said earlier, sometimes you just gotta be fast. Both of you have been exposed to these situations where you're quite innovative, I call it a spark because it's, it's like on the spot, it's a very unique situation and you behave in a way that gets quite a unique outcome that other people, if they had time to prepare, they wouldn't have been, they wouldn't have come up with, with that good of an outcome. What is the factor that you think like leads to that? I know who I am, I know what I want, and I don't get distracted with a lot of other shit. So I, I don't... I don't pretend to be smarter than I am. I don't pretend to be better at something than I am. You can't learn that way. It's not because I'm so nice or something. It's just like, it'd get in the way of my growth to do that. It'd make me look stupid too. So I'd just rather admit that, you know, hey, there's some things that I'm really good at. There's a few things in life I'm really quite great at. 
And there's a whole sea of things out there that I'm no good at at all. I'm never going to be a good golfer. I just don't give a shit about golf. Never going to be any good at tennis. Couldn't care less. I'm never going to be a heart surgeon that it's kind of cool, but it's not my calling for the effort I'd have to put into that. I was talking about Rich Franklin a couple week and a half ago. Rich Franklin's former UFC champ, fantastic man, great man. And um, Rich was talking about the difference between, like, you know, wanting to learn something versus wanting to know something. Well, there's a whole lot of things. Wouldn't you like to speak every language on earth? Wouldn't, wouldn't it be nice to know that? But why haven't you made the effort to learn that? Because that's a very different thing, isn't it? So there's a lot of things we'd like to know, but you have to be rather choosy about the few things that you're actually going to choose to learn. And um, I, I don't get distracted with other things. I, I just accept that there's plenty of things I'm not going to know. Um, if I focus on a few things that are going to give me a great return on investment, that there's no permutation of reality where I'd wake up later in life and be like, you know, man, I, I wish I spent less time learning. I wish I had lower quality skills. I wish I had lower quality relationships. I wish I was dumber than I am. I wish I was weaker. I wish I was less capable of defending myself. So if you think of the things that I focus any of my time on, it's always something that there's just not a permutation of reality that if you were engaging in that behavior for a year or five years or any period of time, you would never look back later on and be like, man, I wish I was dumb, poor, weak, and helpless. It'd be, well, yeah, I'm happy that I feel pretty confident I could defend myself in most situations. Um, finances are good. Got a lot of nice people in my social network that I never want to ask them to help me with anything that... Um, but yeah, a lot of them would say yes if I did, but I never want to, I never want to ask for favors. When I talk to anybody, I want it to be a win-win. So, you know, that, that sure helps a lot. So I, I think those are my first few thoughts. That if, you, if you spend your life thinking like that and just getting after it a bit, you're going to be good. You did the prep already. If you lived your life the way, I know who I am, I know what I want, I'm not getting distracted by all these other things that, you know, and, and tying this into Jasan's comment, you, people, that, people that like me and are, are sincerely trying to help me, people that in their heart, they're sincerely trying to help me. I have clients that tell me that, you know, you don't understand this crypto thing. You have to know about this. That, and I remember one of them that I, I knew the guy well enough, I responded. Most shit I don't respond to at all. And he's telling me, you know, if, uh, if you would have invested, you know, X dollars into this thing, you know, you would have made... You know, you, you made $30 million in a bit over a year, but you could have made it $2 billion. Well, if I, if I, made, if I made judgments with the risk-reward ratio that he was saying, you know, I'd be bankrupt soon enough. I'd be bankrupt. You'd have nothing. You'd have nothing. So I, I, just, I, don't, I don't want to participate in things that I'm not good at. I don't want to play that game. You know, as Hoy said about, like, American football, he's, you know, he's probably not the best American football player, but that's not his goal. It's not what he spent his time focusing on. You know, he, he is the, the most, you know, Weiss is the, the other Hall of Fame UFC people, the other, you know, legends of UFC. They all have, you know, extraordinary respect that he's the OG legend of that whole thing. It's Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> <laughs> not because of his age, it's his... His wisdom is beyond his years. His wisdom is beyond his years. So, um, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm just choosy about what the th I'm gonna spend my time on, and I don't feel a sense of loss that I'm not gonna be, I'm never gonna learn to knit or crochet. I'm not gonna be any good at piano. 
never going to be a violinist. That's okay. I'm okay with that. So when somebody's telling me you got to do this or this or you're missing out on this big thing and the new trendy thing, the new trendy thing, I'm good. I'm okay. I'll be okay. Your question was Sorry, how question to make was. decisions. But then I think you have to know the subject. If I don't know and I have to make a decision, hold on, time out. I'll answer when I want to answer. It's about the stock market. Let me make a phone call. <laughs> Eric, Eric, you gotta help me out with this one here. I gotta call. I got one phone call to make. You see, if it's about fighting, yes, it's on the spot. It's in my blood, my veins. But if he's talking about stock market, building a house, like, uh, hold on, Eric, I got a phone call for you. Can you talk to the guy over here? He have a question for you. You see, I don't know. It's like, but if you know the subject, yes, it's much easier. If you don't know the subject and you have to answer, I don't have to do anything. Who's going to force me to do something? It's not men alive that are going to force me to do anything. <laughs> Go ahead, try. <laughs> yep. I appreciate that. Thank you. That makes a lot of sense. Um, we'll take a couple photos of Hoyce. Be very respectful that, uh, you know, don't don't touch them in a way that you you know you wouldn't want your wrist broken or something. <laughs> I I appreciate you coming through, Hoyce. There's you know many things you could do with your time. I'll reiterate something I said earlier. There, you know, there's the biggest event of the year at UFC is tonight. It's you know it's wrapping up right now or maybe one hour ago, and Carla Carla told me that she would come here, and instead of going to the biggest fighting event of the year. Well, she's the current champion. She she came here. She's supposed to be here yesterday, but that didn't work. So, she made it work. You know, Hoyce. Uh, there's plenty of things. He, he could probably get invited to a couple of pretty cool parties to, somewhere today. <laughs> He's got many options and many opportunities. He's doing the damn thing that he really felt like, and uh, you know, he chose to to spend some time here and share some of uh, his personal wisdom or family wisdom with you folks and. Know, show him a bit of appreciation for that or, or tell him thank you for, for taking that time. There's many things he could do, but he chose to spend his time here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.